Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts always be acceptable in thy sight. For thou art our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're not alone. It sounds like a line from a horror movie, doesn't it? We're not alone. Someone's watching over us. Someone's watching us. And yet, it's a profound truth that we celebrate today on the Feast of St. Michael and all angels. The fact is that what we see, the things visible as we say in the creed, is not all there is. And we're not just talking about God himself. Things visible on this earth and things invisible in spiritual realms are talked about throughout scripture. And yet one of the things that we generally don't talk about in the Protestant church is angels or are angels. Because if you look at scripture, Angels are always in the background, aren't they? They're always just kind of popping through in really important places. And yet they're always doing something to the accomplishment of God's purpose. So, you know, for example, we see angels popping up in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, in the creation narrative, in the Exodus verse, or... um, In the Exodus passage, we see angels guiding God's people. We see angels coming and defending God's people throughout the Old Testament. And yet angels are always kind of there in the background because I submit to you, that's their purpose. To be in the background. To be there, supporting, encouraging, ministering to, and yet not in the forefront of things because there's something else more important going on. We should be humbled and heartened by this fact. Humbled by the fact that God has created a whole series of beings, a whole um, nine choirs of angels to minister to us in the spiritual realm, and yet heartened Because those ministers of his are appointed to watch over little you and me, to watch over us, to watch over the church, to watch over God's people. We see in the scriptures three different things that we're to do with angels and they're to do with us. Number one, they're heralds of God's love for mankind. Number two, They're witnesses that enact his protection. And number three, we are to witness to them God's wisdom. Let's look at the first. How are angels heralds? Well, herald is an old word, right? Herald is what? What do you think of when you hear that word? Anybody? What's that? Trumpets. Somebody else said something? An announcer, right? A proclaimer, like, right? The, the old bell ringers, right? Hear ye, hear ye, right? We sing at Christmas, angels we've heard on high, or hark the herald angels sing. 
Angels herald good news. Angels bring glad tidings. And so in scripture, we see angels as heralds. If we look at the Old Testament, we see this in Daniel. And again, due to the nature of this sermon, you're going to flip around a lot in your Bible if you're trying to follow. So try to follow, try to keep up, but if not, don't worry about it. Daniel chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. Behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from upaz around his waist. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his word like the sound of a multitude. Here we get the image of an angel coming before the prophet Daniel. And the angel is this radiant creature, and the angel is there to give him a message. In the ancient Hebrew tongue, the word was malach for angel, and in the Greek tongue, it's angelos, meaning messenger or herald, and a messenger and herald specifically of God's order and God's love. We continue in Daniel 10, verse 19, and he said, that is the angel, O greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And he spoke to me, Daniel says, as I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Do you see, the angel here is giving Daniel strength to stand before his glory, but also the ability to go forth and give his prophecy as he will. Of course, we're familiar with the tidings that Gabriel brings to Zechariah in the New Testament in John's Gospel, talking to the father of John the Baptist. This is from Luke chapter 1, verse 19. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. Gabriel had a busy season that year, because he hauls over to the Virgin Mary next, in Luke 1.26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. So we see God's messengers throughout the scripture bringing glad tidings, bringing strength, bringing and heralding the good news of God in action in our world. God delights to use angels to speak, but they're not everyday occurrences. You know, do you remember the, Amer the Federal Express ad back in the 80s? It's a famous one. But it was this ad with a speed reader, and he's conducting business on the telephone, right? And he's, he's, he's uh, going back and forth. He's got to be an auctioneer. I mean, it's that kind of level. And at the end of the ad, it fades back to the plane and a package being packaged, being loaded on the plane. And it's the tagline, Federal Express, when it absolutely, positively has to be there overnight. 
Angels are like that as heralds when it absolutely, positively has to be said and delivered overnight. God delights to use them in that way to bring his tidings to his people. But think about this for a second. God's created a whole spiritual class of beings to interact with you, to help him communicate to you, to show his love and his care for you. More than to the glory of the angels, whose glory is that too? God, the creator. God, the creator. And what does it say about him? It says how much he loves us to create an entire class of beings to minister to us. The second purpose we see for angels in scripture is a witness to God's protection. They're not merely to communicate with us, but they also guard us. They're witnesses to God's care and protection to the church as a whole and to each one of us as individuals. In our first reading today, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10, which is found in your service booklet, we see the great patriarch or father of God's people named Jacob, also known as Israel. And he departs from Beersheba to Haran. That's what's going on in this passage. He's looking for a wife. And he has this dream. He lays down, makes this little pillow with a, a pile of rocks. I'm not sure how that works, but you know, I guess if you're tired enough. And he has this dream of angels. And the heavens are opened up, and he sees the staircase of angels ascending and descending. Why is God showing him that in the midst of where he is in life in his context. Why do you think? Look specifically at verse 15. What's God promising to Jacob in verse 15? He says, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised you. Do you see, why do angels accompany this message of God when God speaks directly to Jacob? He's showing him the way that he'll protect him. He's showing him these hosts that are surrounding him that he ordinarily doesn't see existing between heaven and earth that are going to guard him, that are going to guard his lineage, that are going to guard his descendants as they travel to the promised land. And we actually see that fulfilled in Exodus. Again, we're flipping again, but this is the nature of angels. Exodus 23, verse 20 and 22. Exodus, what's going on at this point? God's people are leaving Egypt. They're traveling out to the Red Sea. Behold, God says to Moses, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I've prepared. Pay attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him. For he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, there will be an, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. 
Do you see the archangel Michael is the guardian of the people of God, of Israel, and the church as well. And you, as a baptized member of the church, is partly our protector. Not just for little kids, you know. Perhaps you're familiar with the child's prayer, right, about guardian angels. But the fact is that angels watch over you and me as adults till our dying day. And perhaps afterwards, although that's another conversation. Psalm 90 tells us, he will give his angels command over you concerning your ways to guard you in all of your ways. And St. Jerome, that great translator of the Bible, writes in the 300s, great is the dignity of souls for each one to have an angel deputed to guard it from its birth. And in today's gospel, finally, Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel to be his apostles and tells them, that, tells them what they'll have to do as his apostles. But he also tells them that they'll see angels ascending and descending, that they'll witness that. But you know what? There's another thing. It's not just that we should be aware of angels. It's actually that we're given a job to do for angels. Did you know that? Again, we should be humbled and heartened that we are. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And again, I invite you to flip with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Paul's writing to the Ephesian church and writes this. Actually, let's begin at verse 8. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, was given this grace to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring a light for everyone what is the path, the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What's he talking about there? First he talks about his apostleship, which means what? To pro proclaim the gospel, he tells you. What's he say next? To proclaim the gospel, to give everyone the plan of the mystery of hidden ages, hidden for ages, in God who created all things. So that, verse 10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Who are the rulers and authorities in heavenly places? The angels, the angelic. This is not talking about Caesar. This is not talking about the president. This is talking about people beyond the world visible in heavenly places. And so you and I have a job to do to witness to the angels. Think about that for a moment. How crazy that is. Angels that are so superior to us in intelligence and power and might. 
and yet we're to witness the wisdom of God to us, the grace, the grace of God to them. How is it that we do this? How is it that St. Paul can call us to it? Well, he does this because every time we persist in hardship, every time we adhere to Jesus Christ, despite what's going on in the world around us, we are witnessing to God's grace. Every time we turn and repent, we are witnessing to God's grace. Witnesses to God's grace. Witnessing to the angelic as well as humans who are watching us. Every time we kneel in the service, face the cross and say, Most merciful God, I confess to you that I have sinned in thought, word, and deed by what I've done, by what I've left undone. You are declaring God's wisdom to not just each other, not just the world, but the angelic choirs, showing them what it means for God to come to earth as man, to be crucified as Jesus, to die for your sins, to give you and me grace to turn back to him. It's an astonishing thing, friends. These are the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's the manifold wisdom of God. Being in Jesus Christ, having the Holy Spirit dwell in us, St. Peter says in chapter 1, verse 12 of his epistle, even the angels don't know that, and they long to look into that mystery. Being in Jesus Christ through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is such a precious thing that the mere proclamation of it is a grace to those around us. It's our job to proclaim Christ to each other, to the world, to angels. We join with them in worship of this one true God. And the way we do that is when we enter into prayer. Because we enter into prayer as spiritual beings, joining with them in worship, petition, thanksgiving, confession, and adoration of the Most High God. Theologian Richard Hooker says this. He says, Notwithstanding thus, much we know, even of saints in heaven, that they pray. And therefore, prayer being a work common to the church, militant as well as the church triumphant, is a work unto men with angels. That we should think that but that so much of our lives is a part of, is a part celestial and divine as we spend an exercise of prayer. Do you see, friends, how much God loves you and me? as demonstrated by the angels. Do you see how St. Michael and all the angels demonstrate a system of love and grace that God gives to you and me? A system of God not saying, hey, go out and do whatever you have and come to me at the end of the day, but saying, I want to communicate with you. I want to protect you. And I need you to do this to help your brothers, the angels. It's a family. And it should be no surprise to us that God's creatures are brought by Christ into one family, both celestial and earthly. Well, what do we do with this knowledge? 
How has this changed your life? I think in a few ways. Number one, I think it makes us aware that it's not just God and me. It's not just God, me, and even the church. But it's God, me, the church, and God's created order. Number two, it makes us aware that when St. Paul says we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, that we are in the middle of a cosmic war. And that's just not going on on the human level, but it's going on on a celestial level with angels and demons as well. So we're to ask for God's protection. How many of us even think about angels? I mean, once in a while, maybe? How, ma how many of us think of the fact that God's appointed an angel to guard us? Once in a while, maybe? How many of us talk to those angels or ask God to bring those angels to us? Once in a while, yeah, a couple of us. And yet, Daniel is told by the angel that in Daniel 10, 12, then the angel said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself to your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. What's Daniel saying? What's the angel saying to Daniel there? That God's given us as his people the ability to call on the protection of these mighty beings. And how many of us have thought that as we go through life's drudgery, as we suffer, as we repent, as we mourn our sins, as we look at the treasure that is Jesus Christ, how many have thought of us have thought about the eternal significance that that has, not just in our giving glory to God, but in the angelic beings giving glory to God? Do you see how much God loves us? Do you see how much God cares for us? Do you see how much God wants us to be part of his heavenly kingdom? I hope this has opened our eyes and given us some new ways to see God's glory, mercy, and grace. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have ordered angels to be ministers, and we're humbled by the fact that you've created them in order to minister to us, communicate with us, and in turn help us give glory to you. We ask that you would help us to see more the richness of your grace. We ask that you'd give us the courage to do the things you've called us to do, depending upon their protection. And Lord, we ask that your angels would guard us in all that we do and that we would be emboldened by that guardianship to proclaim your name to all around us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.